For some people, an afterlife is a guarantee. For others, it's a fantasy. But regardless of which way they lean, most people report the thought of having a life after death to be comforting. Our biggest issue has always been proving it. But maybe my expert today will change that by providing us with something more. Welcome to the Just Dumb Enough podcast, a show that acknowledges no one is always an expert by dispelling misconceptions with real experts. I'm your host as always, Colton Petrie. My guest today is Craig Hogan. Craig is the president of the Afterlife Research and Education Institute, a group dedicated to studying and informing others about the realities of what happens towards the end of life, the life after this life, and even afterlife communication. We also talk about aliens, mediums, and all other manners of the bizarre, which I know so many of you enjoy. There's also going to be a YouTube premiere marathon tomorrow, May 5th, from 12.30pm to 7.15 Pacific Standard Time on the podcast YouTube channel. It's all episodes that have aired on the podcast feed before, but I figured it'd be a fun way to hang out and chat with those of you in the audience that want to drop by, even if it's just to say hey. Let's see what comes next. Welcome to the show, Craig Hogan. Colton, I'm delighted to be here. I'm always anxious to talk to people about the realities that people just don't understand today, and we know. So I'm trying to bring that to the audiences, and I want to bring that to your audience today. Yeah, awesome. Looking forward to it. Why don't you mm-hmm. introduce yourself and the topic for the audience? Sure. My name is Robert Craig Hogan, or R. Craig Hogan, and I am the president of the Afterlife Research and Education Institute, co-founder of Seek Reality Online. Seek Reality Online is an organization we started to try to inform people about the realities of the life after this life and afterlife communication and what happens towards the end of this life. And so we're right now getting it off the ground and we're looking for all the support that we can get in doing so. I'm the author of eight books about the afterlife and afterlife communication. And I have been in various roles, including being an administrator in a college and an administrator in schools and also a manager of business communications. So I've had a varied background. Came into this because I learned things about the life after this life that I couldn't believe were true. It just didn't make any sense. I mean, this sounded like nonsense that you could have a life after this life. seemed like when you're dead, you're dead. And so I started delving into it to find out what I could understand. And what I learned was just unbelievable. Every time I turned around, there was something new that was exciting that I learned about the life after this life and what it's like. So today, I have studied enough to know what happens as we approach the end of this life, what happens during the transition from this life, what happens right afterwards, and what the life is in the life after this life that we can all expect. It's very interesting. I Mm -hmm. mean, certainly not something that we hear about on a regular basis. (laughs) No, no, you don't see that in today's newspaper. Uh, and and the odd thing is we really know the truth, but it's rather like when Copernicus said that the Earth is not the center of the universe, 
And it took 100 years before Galileo said it again. And he had people look through his telescope and he said, look, there are moons around Jupiter. Look, the moon has craters on it. And he finally got through to people. It wasn't until decades later that people realized that the Earth is not the center of the universe. And there are still some people today who think it is. They're the flat earthers. But for the majority of humankind, we realize now that that's not true. It took nearly 200 years to get the message across. We're in the process now of as though we were in the first 100 years. We have gotten all the knowledge that we need to be able to tell people exactly what happens during the transition and then in the life after this life. So we've got the knowledge and people are coming on board. We have physicists and counselors and physicians and all manner of people with expertise and scholarship who are realizing the fact that we live on after the body dies and it's a glorious life after we come to it. Yeah, I mean, it certainly sounds interesting. When did all of this kind of get started? You, know, you said you're in the first hundred years. How far in? Well, it actually started in the 19th century. There was a rise in spiritualism in the world as a result of some e efforts that were happening in New York in 1848. And so people began to pay attention to it. But the real strength of it came after the after Einstein's papers in the early part of the 20th century, and people began to look at consciousness differently. Then quantum mechanics showed us that nothing is real until we believe it's real. We believe that it's there. When we believe that it's there, then it appears. And that's quantum mechanics, that's not metaphysics. And so now we have begun to really look, delve into consciousness and what happens to consciousness after the body dies. And so we're making the discoveries now, and it's only been rather in the last half of the 20th century and into the 21st century that we're making the big discoveries. So we know now we have roadmaps of the afterlife. We know what life is like there. We know what happens to people there. And so we can tell people about it and give them a, a, a taste for what we know to be true when all of us get there. I mean, why don't you give us a taste? Because I'm very interested to hear about it. The afterlife is a life just like this one. We're on a spiritual plane right now. Earth is a spiritual plane. And so the afterlife, the next life, is not really after. It really is just another spiritual plane. So in that spiritual plane, life is just like this. In fact, people who get over there think that they're dreaming. Uh, they can't understand. It looks exactly like it does in this life, except for the fact that it is much more glorious. And they realize that after they've been there for a while. So the life after this life is a, a period of time when we can relax, we can enjoy our lives. We spend time going back over what happened during this life, the life that we're in right now. And we do that in life reviews. And in the life reviews, we actually feel all the feelings of all the people involved. So all the feelings of that that, that guy that you that you shouted at and, and insulted and, and deprecated and, and uh, you have whatever it is that he felt, you're going to feel it during that life review. And so what we do during that time is we grow spiritually, we become all we can become, and we just have fun because there are many, many recreational things to do in the life after this life. It is not dull. We don't sit on clouds strumming harps. We don't worship God all day. These are all myths that the church has brought out to us, but that's not what life is like now. So we have bodies, they're solid bodies, it's just like the bodies we have here on, on Earth, but they're going to be in our 20s and 30s. So if you passed into the next life in your 70s or 80s, then when your body is going to be in its 20s or 30s when you were in your prime. 
And the reason for that is because we expect it. We want it to be that way. Things that we expect to happen do happen in the life after this life. So it's very much attuned to our mental state and what we're thinking about, what we desire, what we want to have. Interesting. So mm-hmm. the next plane, does that mean like it looks like Earth or it behaves like Earth or it's just It Earth's looks just number? just like Earth. It looks like Earth. There are streams and mountains and, and valleys and people go fishing there and they have rallies, auto car rallies, and they have boats that they sail on, on the lakes there. It's lacking a sun. There's no need for a sun because it's always warm. It's always a very ambient temperature. There's no need for a moon. Uh, There's no need to eat. We don't have to eat, although if you want to eat, the food is just there. So anything that you want is just there. So if you want to eat food, if you'd like to have a ham sandwich, then it's just there. Uh, You can go over to the refrigerator and you can open it up and son of a gun, there's that ham sandwich I've been wanting to have. Uh, if you want to drink, you can drink, but you don't have to drink. And so people eventually, after they have moved into the next realm of our existence, they give up on these kinds of things about the earth plane. They give up on the need to eat, the need to drink. But uh, for me, I'm going to want to have my glass of scotch at any time, so regardless of where it is. And the people, some people there like to smoke cigars or like to smoke a pipe, and they can do that there. It's because they desire it, they want it to be there, and so the opportunity's there. The smoke does not affect the atmosphere, it doesn't affect their bodies, so it's completely harmless, but you get all of the experience of smoking a cigar or smoking a pipe. And so we can have what we want, we can have the food we want, we can have the drink we want, or we can choose not to. It's entirely up to us. Interesting. So how did we Mm -hmm. start to learn about this? Like, Where are we gathering the information from? We're getting the information in our context. And one of the reasons that so much has happened in the 20th century is that we have media, we have recording devices, and we have television cameras. And so we're getting more data. We're, we're getting it from the people who are living, actually living in the life after this life. So these people are coming back to us. They're anxious to tell us about that life. They want us to know that we needn't fear the the death of the body because we're just going to continue living. And so they're coming back to us. A reason we know it is them is because when people come back to us and communicate, the loved ones who are getting the communications recognize who they are. They they know their, their voice or they know their mannerisms. They know their vocabulary. They know the memories that they have. And so we know that it's them coming through. And we have now, they're coming through in 15 different ways. And one of the ways is through direct voice. Direct voice means that a medium who's a direct voice medium sits in a room and has the ability to allow voices to come out of the air into the room. So we have one person whose name was Dinshaw Nanji, Dr. Dinshaw Nanji, he was on the faculty of the of a UK university at, at Birmingham University. And Dr. Nanji's wife, Annie, had died of cancer. And he was devastated by it. He, he was at a loss. He missed his Annie. And so he found out about this direct voice medium that had that ability that I told you about. His name was Leslie Flint. He lived in London. And so Dr. Nanji would go every six months to London. He would sit in the room with Leslie Flint and Annie's voice would come out of the air. And he would then have conversations with her about what was going on and and about their lives together, about the memories that they had. 
But more importantly, they, he, she also would tell him about what he was doing during his daily life. She told him what he was doing in his flat, and she went with him on an engagement that he had where he had a luncheon with a lot of speakers. And she traveled with him on the plane. She had a, a seat close to him in the auditorium, and she was able to tell him exactly what happened. So we know that Annie was alive during that time. She was giving him the details, and we have the recordings of them now, so we can check on them later on and see whether it's true. And it turns out that these are true. So the most important thing is we have people on this side of life who know that individual who's gone to the next realm of life, and they then can vouch for them and say, yes, that is the person I know that's absolutely true. And as a result of that, we can believe what he's saying about the life after this life. And they're coming back and telling us all of these things. We now have volumes and volumes and recordings of people coming back and telling us what life is like in the afterlife. And we have the truth. We have the verified truth that these are accurate representations of the afterlife. Gotcha. So you have some evidence-based statements where you're like, there's no way yes. they like they would be the only person that knew something like this. No, and we don't uh, we don't accept gurus or any religious authority. We don't accept any of that. We only want the evidence from people who are speaking from the life after this life. And we have that. We have mounds of that evidence. And so as a result of that, we can say people then in their life after this life come back to us and they describe what happened leading up to their passing and what happened during their passing and what happened in the minutes after and then what happens in their life in the life after this life. And we have all of this verified information and now we're just trying to get it out to, the, to people because most people have no idea that we have all of this knowledge of this wonderful world that we're all going to enter after we leave this one. Yeah, and I'd love to get into the process of this. Is there like a crossover that happens that like they can, their consciousness can move from that plane over to this plane to communicate with us? Or is it communicating like, you know, like a telephone would? Like we're not in the same place, but you're hearing, you know, from each other. Uh, it's actually both. So what happens is when the person leaves the body, then for a period of time, they're still on the earth plane. They're doing all the same things you could do on the earth plane. They're walking around. Some people stay for years, perhaps centuries on, on the earth plane because they don't want to leave. They don't want to go on to the next life. And so they're wandering around on the earth plane. They're taking buses and they're riding in elevators and they're doing all the things that people do on the earth plane. And they can do that for as long as they want. But we, they, when we leave the body behind, we are the essence, we are the person that we were. We have a body that we take with us. It's called an etheric body. And that body can travel around on the earth plane as much as we wanted to. Then when we move, take the next step into the life after this life, which some people call Summerland. When we go into Summerland, then we have a solid body. It just it looks like this. If you took a photograph of people sitting around in the next realm of life, and you wouldn't have any idea that it was not of something happening on the earth plane, it's exactly the same, except it's much more beautiful. There are flowers, there are huge groves of flowers, and the flowers are very large. They have aromas, and you can smell them, and they also exude music. So there's music that comes from the flowers, and so there are things that are much more glorious. There are colors there that we don't have on earth that... There are instruments in orchestras that we don't have on Earth. So it's much more glorious, but it is very much just like the Earth plane. Very interesting. So is this mm -hmm. like, 
something you had said you know it happens before you die like there's some kind of a consciousness that's transitioning here what's the whole mm-hmm. like from start to finish before a person leaves the body is if they have been ill for some time they've been bedridden and and now it's coming down to the final hours of their life their loved ones from the other side those who have already made the transition will come to them and it's very common as much as 70 to 80 percent of of the, the people who are alert during that final hour report something about people coming into the room or or you can see them lifting up their hand and reaching out to somebody or you can see them gazing off into the distance and they see what what is there when steve jobs passed he in his last words with his wife and his children around him he looked out past all of them and he just said oh wow oh wow oh wow and it was a beautiful sight. He was seeing into the next realm of life, and he, they were taking him into it. It's a very easy transition when, when somebody's been ill for, for a period of time. If they die suddenly, then very often they, it's so sudden that they don't really have an idea of what happened. They, for instance, may have a heart attack, and they just lie backwards on the bed, and, and they're gone. And they don't realize that that's true. They get up they, to see what's going on. And when they get up, they realize their body hasn't gotten up. They're getting up, but their body hasn't. And so then they will walk around the room and some of them try to shake their body, try to break, break themselves up. And then uh, they can stay in that state for a while. And when people come and they, they come to, for the morgue and, and all of that activity, they're there watching it all happen. And people do go to their own funerals. So they'll go to their funerals and uh, and they're very happy to to see people there. They don't care if somebody missed a funeral. That makes no difference to them whatsoever. And if somebody missed their passing, was not in the hospital when they finally passed, because people do choose. They choose not to pass when loved ones are there. So it very often is in the middle of the night that they'll make their transition. But if people weren't there, if they didn't make it to the to the hospital in time, every word that they say, every feeling that they feel, that person is feeling with them because they are still very much with them. So they're still on the earth plane. And you asked about how that happens. They can either come into the earth plane and be with us. They'll be with us at anniversaries and birthdays and celebrations. Or they can get our thoughts because we're linked with them. We're one with them. And so telepathically, we can communicate with them wherever they are. So if we just think about them and say, you know, I wish I could talk to you, then immediately they'll be able to communicate either by coming into the earth plane or through mind-to-mind communication, telepathic communication. So it happens in both ways. Yeah, very interesting Mm -hmm. because I have even like, I I mean, I was very young when it happened, but when my grandmother Mm -hmm. passed, um, I wasn't in the room, but people around like my mother and so on were around her and they had said like, oh, she said, you know, her brother's name. And she's like, what are you doing here? So, uh-huh. like, and I know yeah. that's not like a unique experience, but I've heard no, it say things like that. But that's wonderful. And her brother was in spirit. He was he'd already made the transition. Right. And so that is the story. That's what we hear. People say that. In fact, we even have people who have been in an accident, a car accident, and other members of the family were killed. And they're just about to make their transition. They're about to die. The body's about to die. And the, as they do that, then they look off in a distance and they say, why, Jim's coming for me. What 
I don't know what what why Jim is coming for me. He's still alive. And they didn't tell her that Jim had passed away in the car accident. Very often happens that people who have passed away in, in whatever the circumstances are, will then come to the person to help them over, to guide them over. And they describe it, many of them describe it as being getting ready for, to take a trip. And they keep talking about, I've, I've got to get packed. I've got to get packed. We're going to go on, on the trip. I'm, and that, and, you know, Frank is here. He's coming for me now. And and we got to get going. And so they'll describe it as going on a trip. But it, what's happening is when the person's ready to pass, then those on the other side who love them come and help them to ease into the passing. They help them to go through that process. So it's a wonderful process. There's no pain at the transition. So if someone, for instance, was in was in an explosion, then they don't feel the thing. They don't feel the pain. They're taken out before the pain comes. We have one incident with this direct voice medium. We had a soldier come through from World War II. His name was Alf Pritchett. And Alf Pritchett described how what happened in his transition, he had gotten out of his trenches. On, he was on the English side. He was running towards the Germans, and he was firing his rifle madly. And after a while, he started running past the Germans. They were running past him. He couldn't figure out what was going on. So he kept on running, kept on running, and then he jumped into a foxhole, and he went to sleep. And then when he woke up, then there was a friend of his coming down towards him, and he realized his friend had been killed several months before. And that was the first thing he realized, that he had gone on to the next life. But what happened was he didn't realize it. He just kept on running. That's very common for people when they have pass away suddenly, that they remain doing whatever they were doing before they, they went into the process. But one other incident that happened as far as feeling pain, as far as feeling the accident, I have a man who came through from the other side describing what happened to him. His name was Swain. And he described that he was in the car with his fiance's sister, and they were driving down the road, and suddenly he saw the headlights coming at him. It was a huge semi-truck. And then that was the last that he remembered. Then after that, immediately after he saw the headlights coming at him, he was rising up out of the car. His fiance's sister was rising up. He took her hand. They were 30 feet above the accident scene, and they watched the accident happen because they were taken out before they would feel any pain. There is no pain at the transition. We're told that repeatedly. And this is very hopeful for people mm -hmm. that like, you know, they just don't find, I think everyone wants to find some solace, you know, mm -hmm. in like, all right, there's an end to life. That's very scary. It gives a lot of, you know, existential dread. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of us that are just like, I don't know that I find a lot of comfort in any one religion or another, like, mm -hmm. you know, there's just pieces of it that either don't work for me or they don't fit the way that I think. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like, this is kind of, a, you know, a nice medium between that where it's like, oh, there is a beyond, but it's not, you know, like you don't have to put all these restrictions on it. No, you know, there's nothing religious about it. So we had to leave the religions behind. They're full of superstition. And what we know now to be true, these things that we've learned about the life after this life, these are factual. This, this is factual evidence. We have corroboration. We not only have that person coming through, their loved ones say, yes, that is the person coming through. But we have corroboration for what they say. So someone else had 
their loved one come through and we get corroboration for them. So we have corroboration for what we know to be true about the life after this life. And all of it is seamless. It all fits together. And so now we know what that's like. When a person makes the transition, they have gone over to the life after this life, then they are anxious to communicate with us. They want to let us know that they've arrived. It's like your loved one got on the plane and took off to another country. And the first thing they want to do is get back to you and say, I've got here fine. I'm okay. And let you know what they're doing there. That's the same thing when people pass into the next life. They want to let us know they're fine. They're they're enjoying themselves. They are really relieved to see that they're still alive and they're just beginning their adventure. And so they want to get to us. We can communicate with them. So it, it is telepathic. So in other words, we are communicating mind to mind because we are just minds using the bodies that we're using. They're rather like avatars. So we're using these bodies, but we are the mind. That's the essence of who we really are. And so our mind is whole after we leave the body. Their minds on the other side or where they're living, they're whole too. And they're one with us, so they can communicate to us. We just have to learn how to allow the message to come through. They're always communicating with us, especially right after they're passing. They want to let us know they're okay. We just have to learn how to get the messages. And that's one of the things that we teach. So is this one of those, like, everyone has this consciousness that moves on, or is it like there are cases where that doesn't happen, or cases where, you know, even after, like, moving mm-hmm. to the next plane, they kind of decide, like, I think I'm I'm good, I'm, I don't necessarily need to keep doing this? Yeah, the, when people leave, when they go on to the next level of life, then they're very greatly relieved, they don't want to come back, but they don't come back. The mis- reincarnation is misunderstood. Reincarnation doesn't mean that we keep coming back and, you know, Craig is going to come back and I'm going to be an Eskimo woman with 13 children in another life. We don't do that. That's not the way that reincarnation works. This, again, is something we hear over and over again from them. They say to us, there's a higher self. We are part of a higher self. Each one of us is part of a higher self. And that higher self then has other individuals who come onto the earth plane. And we participate with them. We can learn things from them. And our life can be patterned after someone else's life. So someone else in the higher self might have had a life in which they didn't learn a lesson they wanted to learn. And so the higher self decides that we're going to incarnate somebody and we're going to learn those lessons. But each one of us then, when we incarnate, we stay the same individual throughout the rest of our eternal lives. And Mm -hmm. is that kind of like, you know, because we're creating more and more consciousnesses otherwise, like there are far more people now than there there ever were, though I guess there are more and more people that have passed than are ever alive at this point. So it's like, it's a lot of consciousnesses (laughs) to be moving around. Is this like an expanding plane that there is, you know, always room for enough people? There are millions, they tell us, they use this word, they say there are millions of other realms. So we're just one of them, one small realm. And if you can imagine there are nearly 8 billion people on our planet today, and you can imagine that there are 8 billion worlds with 8 billion people on each world. And that's not unusual. That's not difficult to understand. And that helps us to get a perspective on it. It is infinite. There is no end to it. And there are also the uh, extraterrestrials that are on uh, other planes, and they are spiritual. 
not all of them are, but the ones who are, are aligned with us are spiritual and they have the telepathic ability to communicate with us and they do communicate with us. So there are millions of other realms and we just happen to be on one that's called the earth realm. But then once we leave the earth realm and go on to the next realm of our existence, we stay the individual that we are, even when we go to the higher levels. Interesting. And are we using mm -hmm. this to like try and advance, you know, scientific theory? Cause you said like, you know, we know that there are these extraterrestrials from this other mm -hmm. side. Are we saying like, you know, trying to even, I guess, on earth problems where we're like, hey, look in this direction or, you know, try this instead. Like we can already see what you're trying to do and you're doing it wrong. <laughs> like, Yeah, right. You're doing a lot of it wrong. Right. Uh, yes, that's in fact what happens. They do inspire us so that this happens for us as individuals, just you and me, ordinary people. It also happens for scientists. Marie Curie who came through in, in one communication, described how she discovered when she went to the life after this life that she had been inspired in her discoveries. She met the scientists over there who had been inspiring her to help her along. All of the science on this side of life is getting inspired by those in the next realm of life. And they're just a little bit ahead of us. In other words, the, the individuals who are there are not omniscient. They don't know everything in, that ever existed. They're discovering too. They're still growing. They're still becoming. So they're making discoveries, science discoveries. And then they inspire us on the earth plane. And then we have that knowledge and we make use of that knowledge. So we're just a little bit behind them. They're teaching us, but they're learning themselves. And so we know that the, continually, every day of our lives, we're getting inspirations. We're getting inspirations from guides, from people who love us, from others who are just interested in us. And so there's a constant flow of information. We just have to learn how to learn how to listen to it. And uh, that's a, a skill that can be taught. We teach it. Very interesting. So, mm -hmm. I mean, how do you teach people to kind of tap into this ability that we all have? There's, we know that our lives are only 5% in the consciousness, in awareness. That's a very small part of our lives. And we know that 95% of our lives are in the subconscious, the unconscious. When we're walking, we're, we're operating out of the subconscious. When we're playing a piano, we're operating out of the subconscious. The, if we had to use our awareness, that little tiny piece of awareness that we have, we would never get anything done. The estimate is that, that our awareness handles in between 40 and 120 bits per second, and the subconscious has 20 million bits per second. And so all of the things that we're able to do, we're able to walk and talk and, and we can do things that are natural to us. They're all coming out of the subconscious. So what's also happening in the subconscious is that we're getting communications from other people. You and I are communicating at the subconscious level, which just doesn't bubble up to our consciousness, doesn't bubble up to that little tiny piece of awareness that we have. And so we're getting signals from each other. Uh, we've Studies have been done of meditators in which uh, they, they were meditating two groups that were 200 miles apart. And they, as they were meditating, they intended to link with each other, linked with that other group that was 200 miles away from them. And they measured their, their brain waves, they measured their heartbeats, and their heartbeats between the two groups synchronized. And the reason for that is that we're always in tune with each other. We're always one with each other. So 
those people who have transitioned on to the next level of, of life, they're communicating to us telepathically. We're, we're just one mind with them. So it's like they were imagining things. And as they're imagining things, we're imagining with them. So they're imagining a song and we get the song or they're imagining an, an image. We get the image. We're thinking together. So all people have to do is that subconscious realm is where all that's happening. We just have to help people to learn how to let that bubble up into that little tiny piece of awareness that we have. And that to be able to do that, we have to empty the awareness. So in other words, we have to withdraw from the physical realm. We do that through meditation. We do that through something called EMDR, eye movement desensitization and reprocessing. We do that in hypnosis. Any way that we can get the mind free so that the awareness is not filled with anything and then allow the messages to come up, to bubble up from the subconscious. We teach that. It's something that anybody can learn how to do. We do it all the time. And so we know that it's it's worthwhile and it's something that everybody should learn how to do. Very interesting. So mm -hmm. where are we in the process of informing people? Like, obviously, you're doing the show. Is there a mm -hmm. lot of people working alongside you trying to do a lot of other shows and trying to get yeah. the word out? There are a lot of people who are doing this work now. So it's no longer a small movement. It's There are enough people doing it now that we are having an impact. People are seeing things differently. They're looking at the world differently. We get people commonly now will say, oh, grandma, grandma's gone, but she's looking down on us. You know, a grandma's a grandma's protecting us. We, people have the sense that life continues after the death of the body, but they don't really wrap their, their mind around what happens, about what that means. Is that really true? They still walk to the cemetery and stare down at the ground. And so grandma was there. And so we're just at the point where we're getting past all of that. And there's a movement. There are many of us who are teaching these things. And as we do, we're having an impact on humanity. We're seeing the changes. We just have to keep at it. Very interesting. So mm -hmm. what's kind of the, the uphill battle? Obviously, I'm sure there is a lot of resistance. What's kind of, you know, what's the what's the day to day like? The resistance is primarily from people who already have their own discipline. So they already have their conception of reality. And that conception then is pretty substantial and it's solid and they believe it to be true. And because their conception of reality is so strong, they won't allow the possibility of another conception of reality. And that's the difficulty we run into. So it could be somebody who's in a religion. And they're strongly, they have a strong faith in this religion. They believe the religion teaches everything right. And, and there are sacred books and the truth is in the sacred books. So we, it's difficult to get through to them because they've got a set mindset about reality and what it is. Same is true of the scientists. There are many scientists who science is not necessarily an unbelieving discipline. So there are materialist scientists. Materialist scientists mean that they believe only in the material realm. They don't believe that there's anything beyond that. So the materialist scientists are the ones that we have difficulty getting to. We don't have any trouble with the scientists who now realize the truth. And there are many, many of them now. But for the scientists who, who are strong in their discipline, they're neuroscientists, and they know something about brain waves, and they, they can map out the brain, where things happen in the brain, 
it's difficult for us to get through to them because of the same reason. They've got this conceptualization of the way life is, they of their beliefs about reality, and we can't get past them. They won't let down what they believe to be true and just open up their minds and say, is there, there's an alternative here. There's an, uh, You really ought to just look at it. Look through my telescope, Galileo would say. And we can show you that uh, all of these things are true. We know that people live on after the body dies. So the, the difficulties are we run into are with people who have set beliefs about anything that won't open up their minds and just allow the truth to come through. And it could be scientists who are, who are the physicalists, who are materialists, or it can be people who are engaged in religions and they believe that religion has all the answers. We just can't get through to them. So are you gaining a lot of good traction on like a main stage? Have you started to get some larger names also trying to like spread the word out there for you? Yes. We have people now who are engaged in this work who are, are luminaries. They are well-known. They are excellent speakers. They have knowledge behind them and they're engaged in this work. We, there are many, many of them now. The problem is that the people won't turn on the, the station to watch them. So we've got them out there. They're doing this work. But we have to get to them in front of people so that they just would open up their minds, just allow it to come through, just allow some of it to come through. Then if they open that door a crack, it's going to open all the way because this is the truth. We know this to be true. And so we have brilliant people. And what we're hoping is going to be happening in the near future, we would like to see a television station. So we're, we're due for that now. Uh, it would be like a TBN or a CBN, the religious broadcasting stations. But this would be about the life after this life, about what we know about growing spiritually on this side, how we can live together in love, peace, and joy, and what happens during the transition and what life is like in the next life. But we have tremendous resources, wonderful people engaged in it now. We just have to get the word out to everybody. And I think that's the proper next step is, like you said, get that door to open a crack and then let it open wide up and let people mm -hmm. experience that. That's it. Is that's there it. a good place that people can look for you if they're looking to find more? Go to seekreality.com. We put together seekreality.com because we want to bring all of these truths to the general public. And so we're putting them all on one website so people can go there. There's a lot of free material there. We also have a subscription for even more. The reason for the subscription is it's funding the Afterlife Research and Education Institute. So we're using that money to further the research that we're doing, the work that we're doing with mediums and with others. And so uh, I would say that the place to go that we're putting all of our effort into now is seekreality.com. Fantastic. Well, I think that's a mm -hmm. great place for people to look if they're hungry to know more or they're very interested or you know this yeah. has even just slightly piqued their curiosity like mm -hmm. something to look at yeah no that's uh the uh the other resources that will come to you all you have to get is do is get on youtube and you'll see excellent mediums uh there are people like suzanne geesman and and suzanne wilson and and uh, uh tyler Perry, I think is his name, but they, they're excellent mediums. And if you watch the mediums, you'll see the, the reactions of the people who they love, the, who the people on the other side love, realizing that it's them coming through. And that helps you to realize that we are, are not just the bodies that we have here. We are eternal beings having a physical experience. 
Yeah. Fantastic. Well, thank you mm-hmm. for coming on the show and, and sharing this. And I hope if, you know, people have been piqued at all in their interest, like they will go and, and check you guys out and try and learn more and see where, see what they think, at least, you know, give it a, an extra thought in your day. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Yeah, I appreciate it. And it's been a wonderful experience. This topic leaves me a bit split. Between the interview conversation you just listened to and the editing that I do, I've heard the information a couple times now, and it would be great to have ironclad proof that there is an afterlife. Truly, that would be awesome. But it seems so neat and tidy that I'm struggling to want to accept the message without first-hand experience. Everyone gets to go and there's no badness? Then what keeps you around when things get hard? We've talked about it before on this show with the seriousness of mental health, and I don't want anyone out there to give up because anyone said that there's a perfect world waiting and all you need to do is die first. No one out there hearing this right now gets to give up like that. So many of us are struggling to get through hard lives in the day-to-day, but I need us all to have hope that we can get through it to a better side of things right here in this life. Remember, if things are tough and you need someone to reach out to, I'm just a message away. Dumbenoughpodcast at gmail.com or just reach out to me on any of the major social medias. Alright, that's it for this week. Have a great weekend. I'll see you all back here on Monday. Oh, don't forget to do all the stuff for the show. Rate, review, like, subscribe. Send me that message if you need to. Otherwise, stay dumb.